採用嘅。You're listening to the news on RTHK. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio Three. Global equities slumped, and Brent crude oil approached $100 a barrel on Tuesday for the first time since 2014. After Russian President Vladimir Putin said he would recognize the independence of two Moscow-backed separatist regions in eastern Ukraine and order troops to cross the border, the dramatic escalation in Russia's standoff with the West sent U.S. shares tumbling on Wall Street, dragging the S&P 500 into correction territory. The S&P 500 fell 1% to 4,305 and closed more than 10% below its record close hit in January. The Dow fell for the fourth straight day, losing 483 points to end the day at 33,597, dragged down by an 8.9% loss for Home Depot. At its low, the Dow was down more than 700 points. The Nasdaq Composite slipped 1.2% to 13,382. In Europe, the stock 600 index fell as much as 1.9% before recovering to close 0.1% higher, and London's FTSE 100 also rose 0.1%. The Vanek Russia ETF, which invests in top Russian companies, dropped 8.9% in New York on Tuesday. Hong Kong stocks tumbled by the most in five months. The Hang Seng was down over three percent at one stage before closing 650 points, or 2.7 percent lower, at 
The tech index slumped 1.9% to an all-time low, taking its losses over the last three trading sessions to almost 8% and wiping out more than 100 billion US dollars in market value. The decline started Friday when Metroen plunged as much as 18% after Beijing rolled out a new policy to cut the delivery giant's service fees. Metroan fell another 5% on Tuesday, taking its declines over the past three days to over 22%. Tencent fell 0.2% following its 5% drop on Monday. Alibaba lost 3%. Bilibili lost 1.4% after a 10% fall on Monday. On the mainland, the Shanghai Composite ended the day 1% lower at 3,457. HSBC reported Tuesday that its profits in 2021 more than doubled from the previous year, boosted by its commercial lending and global trade financing divisions. The bank reported pre-tax profits of 18.9 billion US dollars in 2021, up 10.1 billion dollars on the year before, helped by lower bad loans and operating expenses. However, the bank revealed that it took a $450 million impairment charge relating to exposure to real estate in mainland China. The bank also announced plans for a $1 billion share buyback, adding to a $2 billion buyback announced late last year. Shares of HSBC fell 3.6% in Hong Kong. In the commodities markets, oil and gas prices have surged on fears that the Ukraine-Russia crisis will disrupt supplies across the world. Brent crude oil rose as high as $99.50 a barrel, later trimmed its gains to $96.50 a barrel, up 1% on the day. European natural gas contracts rose by around 10%, and gold is at $1,898 an ounce. The US 10-year Treasury bond yield added two basis points to 1.94% and European government bonds came under selling pressure on the prospect of higher gas prices in the region, exacerbating record high inflation levels. The yield on Germany's 10-year Bund rose four basis points to 0.24%. And in the currency markets, the euro is trading at one dollar thirteen and a quarter cents. The bucks at one hundred and fifteen Japanese yen. Sterling is worth one dollar thirty six cents and ten Hong Kong dollars and sixty cents. The Chinese yuan is at six point three two and a half versus the dollar in offshore markets. Asian equities are rebounding this morning after shares on Wall Street uh, rebounded from their lows of the day. Japanese markets, though, are closed for the emperor's birthday in Australia. Uh, the SX200 up a quarter of a percent. The Cosby in South Korea up 0.4%. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to add about 130 points at the open this morning. A busy day of business and financial news. So let's welcome our guests. We have with us Iris Pang, Chief Greater China Economist at ING Wholesale Banking. Morning, Iris. Morning, Peter. And also with us is Dickie Wong, Head of Research at Kingston Securities. Morning to you, Dickie. Hopefully we have Dickie there. Um, Good morning, Peter. Oh, yeah, How are you? you are there. Great. Thanks very much, <laughs> Dickie. You worried me there for a moment. And over in Washington, D.C., with his analysis, we have our international economics correspondent, Barry Ward. Morning to you, Barry. 
Good morning, Peter. Um, So Hong Kong confirmed 6,211 new COVID-19 cases on Tuesday, down from the record high of over 7,500 the previous day. Health authorities say COVID-19 infections are now doubling in every three days. The SAO government's has ordered the compulsory testing of all of its 7.4 million residents. And Chief Executive Carrie Lam said residents would have to go through three rounds of testing starting in mid-March. And Hong Kong's financial secretary will deliver his sixth budget this morning. Business and industry leaders are hoping he will announce measures to help those who have lost their jobs and to support those business sectors that have been hardest hit by the pandemic control restrictions. Relief measures could include another round of consumption vouchers and tax rebates. Oh, yes, perhaps you can kick off. What's your forecast now for Hong Kong GDP this quarter and also your projection <laughs> for 2022? I know it's a tough question because there's a lot of uncertainties at the moment. Yeah, actually, I, I forecasted a, a recession in, in 2022 in the first half. So two consecutive um, quarter will have a negative year-on-year GDP around negative uh, 1% year-on-year to negative 2% year-on-year. Um, why I do put a negative year-on-year on quarter two is because that you see that they have um, uh, a, a full um, uh, uh, testing in March. Mm. And the full testing in March will be done three times. That means for the whole March. And then after the the testing is done, it will be uh, found that there are many people having uh, uh, COVID and then you have to either lock down or isolate these people. It means that it will bring the impact into the second quarter. Mm. And therefore, I expect um, two quarters of negative year-on-year growth. This, so, this, um, this, sorry, this, this, this three rounds of testing in March... Isn't it going to pretty well bring Hong Kong's economy to a halt? Because there could be tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people in isolation facilities. And those people that test negative are going to stay at home to try and protect themselves and and their families. There's not going to be much economic activity in March, is there? Yeah, even they are tested uh, negative. Even they want to go out, there is almost, almost, I expect, almost no shops opening because... Mm. The, the staff of those shops could be tested um, positive. Mm. So um, the thing is that a hot is unavoidable. But how long is this hot is, is a question mark. Of course, we want to minimize the period of this hot, but it depends on whether we have a lockdown, we have enough social distancing measures to stop the infection chain. Mm. Dicky, what's going to be the impact on the local financial markets, do you think, of this latest news and uh, testing all round for everyone in March, potentially bringing the economy to a halt? Well, it came to no surprise that um, the Hong Kong government will likely to forecast another um, budget deficit for this um, financial year. But uh, it came to no surprise. Um, honestly speaking, uh, for this kind of like testing three rounds and um, a totally a big pause of the lo- whole o- local economy, uh, what what I will expect is most of the people will lose their job. And uh, most of the restaurants will be closed down after the, uh, the free round of testing in April. So I will expect 
some of the uh, like uh, personal trainer and even restaurant opener, they may may have to find another job mm. uh, after all rounder of, of tests. Well, but yes, um, the situation, the pandemic situation, is getting worse in Hong Kong. Um, nothing can really do because we have the the, the, the government, the Hong Kong government. But um, honestly speaking, I, I basically have no hope for the uh, the, the budget. Even they will have announced, may have will announce another round of uh, vouchers to help the the local economy and also to help the the, the local people in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. But doesn't really help for this time. Okay. I I I rather um, expect um, what if uh, just a simple cash. Um, I mean, not a re- not a rebate of. Um, a voucher is is a better option for this time, the situation, because most of the people now, they're suffering. Um, they're staying home, they're sick, but no way they can go, they can't um, go to the hospital and, and, and so on. Well, but I'm not expertise to, to talk about this, um, the, the pandemic situation. Mm, okay. But, um, well, I, I'm not that um, bearish at this moment. Um, for the Hong Kong stock market itself, because as we all know, like uh, basically there is no uh, a, a big link. Uh, uh, I mean, a link between the local stock market and uh, and the I mean the, the local Hong Kong economy. Mm. As we all know, like the Hong Kong stock market is basically and the, the Asia stock market a mini a, a mini version of it. So it all depends on how the Asia related like state-owned banks and uh, also some of the tech companies, how to go, but uh, uh, basically there's no um, linkage link, link okay, between right. the two. Yeah. Let, me, let me bring Barry in. Barry, has, has there been anything like this in the U.S. that we can learn from where a city of 7.5 million people has been forced to go through three rounds of mandatory testing and then those that are tested positive forced into isolation centres? No. No, we have no uh, analog here in the States. And uh, uh, I think one feels uh, incredible sympathy for the situation you're in. After all, you're largely an island uh, entity and uh, there are no real places to go. Uh, No, I don't think anything. The the states that have taken the most severe action against COVID, and that was a year ago, at least a year ago, would be California and New York State. And indeed, uh, those restrictions were never like this. never had mandatory testings and certainly not three times mandatory testing. Uh, But it is significant, I think, Peter, to just observe that things are moving absolutely in the opposite direction here in the States. Our caseload of Omicron is down 50 percent, down 50 percent over the last two weeks. And we're still getting 55,000 cases a day. So one shouldn't make any kind of conclusion that uh, things are over here, but mm. that is an extraordinary drop, and we're only getting 700 deaths a day. So it's, uh, we're moving in the opposite direction. We're opening up. But despite that slump, you're not at zero COVID or even close to it, are you, in the United States, which is the stated policy of the Hong Kong government? No, we're not anywhere near zero COVID, and I think that uh, there's no expectation that we're going to reach that. But uh, the fact is we've got 81% of the country vaccinated, and we've done very good with 688 million doses distributed, and uh, that's covered 215 million people. But it's very Mm -hmm. hard to compare what's happening here in the States to, to your situation in Hong Kong. 
Iris, what would you like to see from the budget uh, today from the financial secretary that, that could help alleviate the, the situation? Is there anything he can do to try and alleviate it? The first thing I think that um, the Hong Kong government had been reluctant to uh, um, create unemployment benefits. Mm. They finally uh, created a temporary unemployment benefit. I think Hong Kong needs it. And either extension of the temporary unemployment benefit or create a, a permanent unemployment benefit is essential. It Actually, the, the COVID situation reflects that the, the structure of unemployment benefit or how to, how to help the poor is not enough in Hong Kong. The, the, the thing that I don't want to see is to hand out another round of consumption voucher. The first thing is that you hand out the consumption voucher only if um, the social distancing measures are relaxed. And by the time, you don't really need consumption vouchers because people get back to work. People, after get back to work, they have the salary, they can spend. You don't need this consumption voucher anymore. Mm. So um, I think the when people say that consumption vouchers has its impact um, for the last round, I think they mixed up the effects of getting back to work and the impact of the consumption vouchers itself. So I would rather spend the same amount of money on other things like unemployment benefits than on consumption vouchers. Do you, do you, do you agree? Would you like to see some form of unemployment benefit scheme introduced? Because presumably long-term unemployment is going to go up as a result of these pandemic measures. Well, I strongly agree. I strongly agree. Um, as we all know, the government may... Um, and, and announce another fresh round of like uh, a virus relief funds, as like before. But uh, yes, definitely. If, even if you give me a voucher, but I have to uh, spend all my time at home, and also I have to spend my time for three rounds of uh, testing, testing again, and testing. But uh, I already have vaccinated, but I cannot go anywhere else. I have to stay home. So, so this is a real situation, Peter. You know, most of the people, especially the low-class people in Hong Kong, they're suffering at this moment. Uh, While well, the weather is cold, um, they have no food, and they cannot go anywhere. And basically, they can't go to work, uh, especially if they're sick now. Uh, they cannot go to the hospital. So definitely, Hong Kong needs some kind of like insurance uh, I mean, an employment insurance or an employment benefit, what, what, whatever you call it. Definitely Hong Kong, like a world-class city, like uh, I, what I used to know. And, uh, but we don't have this kind of like uh, subsidy for, for unemployment people in Hong Kong. This is so ridiculous to me. Mm, particularly for one of the richest places in the world. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, let's move on because there's a lot of other things going on as well. The US, EU, Britain and Japan are finalising a series of sanctions on Russia after Vladimir Putin said he'd recognised the independence of two Moscow-backed separatist regions in eastern Ukraine and ordered troops to cross the border. Germany's ordered a halt to the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline between the north of the country and Russia. And the United States banned American people and companies from conducting any trade or investment in the rebel-held regions. And it's announced a series of sanctions preventing the Russian state from accessing U.S. capital and financial markets. 
Um, Barry, what, what's the latest there from, from the US? President Biden gave, uh, gave a speech this evening, didn't he, uh, on the sanctions. What's the situation? Yes, about three hours ago, the president spoke and said essentially that Russia has been cut off from Western finance. And he specified two particular banks, the ones that do foreign trade, as not being able to operate in the United States. This is coordinated with Europe. So I think that's important, particularly with Boris Johnson in the, in the UK. So, yeah, and uh, the president in his talk, which was brief, was really making the point that this is the beginning that the Americans clearly expect more Soviet, I said Soviet, Russian incursions into Ukraine, that taking mm. their troops into those eastern Ukrainian enclaves is just a beginning. So, yeah, there are stronger sanctions, but I think the Americans are prepared to do more if there's further Russian action. Are the sanctions that tough? Because although there's two banks, there's no major banks targeted. He hasn't announced any energy uh, sanctions beyond what Germany has said about Nord Stream 2. No uh, swift payments uh, sanctions at all. Are, are they going to be tough enough? Well, I agree with what you just said. I think that um, the Russians probably had calculated this would happen, and I don't think this particularly hurts them. Uh, yeah, they're still allowed into SWIFT. That is important. Uh, and let's not forget, Nord Stream is a double barreled pipeline. The part, Nord Stream 1 has been operating for several years and continues to do so. Nord Stream 2 is ready, but the Germans are halting only certification. Mm. So some of the American media that says it's dead, that's wrong. The, the Germans have simply said it's not going forward at the moment. Yeah. Iris, what, what's the impact for, for inflation on this? Because um, uh, Germany gets, or Europe gets, about uh, 30, 40% of its gas supplies from uh, Russia. If it cuts off that supply, presumably energy supplies prices are going to surge globally, and that will impact everyone. Yeah, you're right. Um, actually, uh, even not that uh, bad, we expect a uh, general increase in energy prices due to the news of geopolitical tension. And now there is uh, genuine actions from Germany. That means um, energy prices should shoot up even more. And what can we do about it? Or what can governments <laughs> do here to try and mitigate that? I don't think that we can do a lot on this. For the government, they usually at this moment, they can uh, ask the gas provider to... Um, not um, not raising the prices too much, but usually this is not really helpful. The, 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 the government doesn't have any control in Hong Kong on these prices. Mm. Dickie, what's, what's the impact on markets of this? It's been a big overhang, particularly on US markets. What sort of impact does it have on the financial markets here? Well, actually, we don't import um, natural gas. It's neither um, <laughs> crude oil from um, Russia anyways. We are not Germany. Uh, but uh, honestly speaking, the spike of um, all kinds of energy, no matter crude oil, no matter natural gas, may continue. So this may continue. And second of all, 
um, um, Putin called that um, two independent regions now, uh, I mean, two regions now are independent in Ukraine. Well, um, in terms of like the situation now and um, ongoing, we have no idea. Um, will Putin send more troops to Ukraine? Um, this is what we can't uh, forecast at this moment. Uh, but uh, honestly speaking, in the longer term, I think this impact um, where we can conclude that um, and the increasing tension in um, Eastern Europe uh, may hurt the energy prices, but not um, the stock market in Hong Kong. Because basically, um, like um, the PBOC, they may um, introduce another fresh round of like, um, not a rate cut, but probably like uh, some kind of like easing monetary policy because um, <laughs> In, I mean, inflation in mainland China is not a big threat at this moment, but um, it's a big threat everywhere else, including in U.S. Yes, so Federal Reserve they they have still have to um, like introduce a lot of like new measurement. I mean, uh, a fresh round of uh, rate hike and and maybe one point seven five percent altogether from now to December. But uh, for PBOC is another situation. So it all depends on how. The Chinese government will act because, like China and Russia, they're good friends, and now U.S. Uh, well, yeah, it's mm-hmm. pretty <laughs> complicated, honestly speaking. Barry, Peter, I really do agree with what uh, Iris and, and Dicky have said. It's the global energy markets are impacted by this problem. I mean, gas prices, and it's still winter in Europe, are up to almost 20 percent since the first of the year. So that's going to have a slowing effect on economic growth. It's going to shoot inflation higher. And in the United States, we've got gasoline prices at an eight-year high. So there is a shortage of oil already in the market. And that reduces economic growth, and it certainly boosts inflation. It was was interesting. President Biden quite specifically said this was an invasion. Um, If if, uh, Russian troops go further into Ukraine, is, is President Biden ready and willing to take even more sanctions? Yes, but the problem is the United States doesn't really have that much leverage over Mm. Russia. The volume of trade between the two countries is relatively small. After all, Russia is an oil and gas exporting nation. Mm, And it has to make sure, presumably, that whatever sanctions it takes affects Russia without at the same time damaging America's economy. Absolutely. No, it's a it's a very delicate situation, but uh, it is interesting. If you look over the span of the last two weeks, the Americans have been very clear in saying the Russians were going to do an invasion and that invasion has happened, but that more is coming. Yeah. Iris, final word to you then. What, how do you think China will react to all these geopolitical uncertainties? Do you, do you think we are going to see more rate cuts on the mainland? If the geopolitical tension is not directly in uh, affecting China, I don't think that China will do anything. Uh, China will just be muted on this. So, um, uh, and therefore, I don't think that uh, China will will um, cut interest rate because of this. This okay. actually increase um, the PPI and the and some CPI through the energy prices. Um, it's, it's the PBOC should raise interest rate if it responds to this. But no, we don't expect this. We expect the PBOC to cut. And that's 
because the um, domestic demand is quite weak. Mm. Retail sales was actually under 2% year-on-year from the latest data. Okay, well, thank you very much. You heard that. Iris Pang, Chief Greater China Economist at ING Wholesale Banking. Dickie Wong, Head of Research at Kingston Securities. And now International Economics Correspondent, Barry Wood. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Just a reminder, in the markets, Japan is closed today for the Emperor's birthday, but elsewhere, stocks showing a little bit of a rebound. Uh, the SX200 up a third of a percent. The Nikkei, uh, sorry, the Cosby in South Korea up about 0.6%. Uh, the Hang Seng looks set to open about 130, 140 points higher. Brent crude oil, having hit almost $100 a barrel in New York trading, is currently trading at $96.50 a barrel. And gold is at 1000 uh, It's actually at $1,900 an ounce right now. Today, of course, is Budget Day, and Financial Secretary Paul Chan will outline his revenue and spending plans for the next fiscal year. I'll be back on Radio 3 this morning from 11 o'clock, bringing you live coverage of the Budget speech. And then on Friday... Paul Chan will join me live in the studio from 8 to 9 a.m. on Radio 3 for the Financial Secretary phone-in. That'll be your chance to put your questions and comments on the budget to Mr Chan directly. That's on Friday morning from 8 till 9 o'clock. Coming up in a moment after the news, COVID update with Jim Gould and Ada Wong. The weather forecast, cold and cloudy, one or two light rain patches in the morning, sunny periods in the afternoon and a maximum temperature of around 14 degrees. The cold weather warning is in force right now. It's 10 degrees, 84% relative humidity. It's 8.32. Here's Andrew Shirovsky with the half-hour news. Infectious disease expert Leung Chi Chu says a territory-wide mass testing exercise won't be enough alone to bring the fifth wave of COVID-19 under control. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, announced yesterday that everyone in the SAR would be tested three times, likely starting next month. She also said thousands more isolation beds would be made available in the weeks ahead. Dr. Leung says isolating patients is vital to making the tests a success. We need to ensure that we have a very rapid turnover time from uh, the specimen collection to the effective isolation uh, to occur within 24 hours. If you allow them to drag on, for example, for uh, two to three days, uh, you raise uh, the major proportion uh, of, of your effort because uh, a lot of transition could have already occurred within that two to three days gap. The Financial Secretary Paul Chan will deliver his budget later this morning amid calls for further economic stimulus. As Hong Kong battles the most serious wave of COVID-19 to date, different groups say more consumption vouchers could help people and businesses. Damon Pang reports. Last year, Mr. Chan stimulated the economy with a $5,000 per head electronic voucher. Many feel something similar is needed now as the Omicron variant hits many industries hard. Business chambers, accountancy firms and political parties want the financial secretary to give out vouchers as part of fresh stimulus measures. The demands range from $3,000 to $10,000 per person. The Democratic Party, meanwhile, called for a cash handout of $15,000. Mr Chan has not ruled out another round of vouchers, but urged caution, saying that factors such as the socio-economic situation and public finances would also have to be considered. There have also been calls for other tax waivers and rebates. President Biden has announced U.S. sanctions on Russia, which he said went far beyond those imposed after the annexation of Crimea. 
He said President Putin was establishing a rationale to take more Ukrainian territory. Mr. Biden announced moves to block trade involving two large Russian banks and stop Russia from raising money from the West or trade debt in its financial systems. We've cut off Russia's government from Western financing. It can no longer raise money from the West and cannot trade in its new debt on our markets or European markets either. Starting tomorrow and continuing in the days ahead, we'll also impose sanctions on Russia's elites and their family members. They share in the corrupt gains of the Kremlin policies and should share in the pain as well. Mr. Biden also said he'd continue to provide